1: Com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright, and today's guest is TV writer, Eric Rogers. Welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, sir. Good to be here.
1: Now, your credits include, and just, I, won't, I won't list them all, but your credits include uh, NYPD Blue, you created um, Skylanders Academy, um, Futurama is another show you've written on, and one of the things that struck me was there was you've, you've written on some shows, and obviously you created one, so... But you were you were the script coordinator for ninety-seven episodes on NYPD Blue. And I thought mm-hmm. from a listener, it might be good. I mean, people have a good idea what a writer does, but I'm not sure everyone knows what a script coordinator does. Do you want to tell me about what that role is and how that could how that role could inform someone's writing career?
2: Yeah. So a script coordinator um is somebody the 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 basics of the job is you are. Uh, you are the person that the writer, uh, you're the last front before the writer publishes a script for production. So, um, when, a, when a writer turns in a draft, um, you're the person that does the, the spell check, you number the scenes, you make sure the continuity of, of, of the pages, you know, usually when you, when you write uh, a first, like when a first draft of a script goes out to production, you lock your pages. There's a, there's a, a feature in final draft where it, it, you know, you lock your pages so that way, when the pages are locked and there are new pages that come out during the the rest of that episode's production, um, instead of the page numbers being all screwed up, um, you get you know your A pages and your B pages and things like that. So 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 the, the when that first uh, script is published, uh, the what you know it's a white script, white pages. You know everything from that point on. You know that that is the script length and that doesn't have a change. But if there are things that are cut and things that are added those things will show up as different uh, types of pages, like A pages B, pages, B pages, C pages. So your job as script coordinator is to make sure that, you know, the continuity of the script is never compromised. Um, all of the, the the technical stuff is um, taken care of. You know, you're, you got a, a set list and a cast list that uh, is listed with the script at the beginning of the um, uh, production. Um, you're in charge of all the revisions. Um, the writer comes to you and, and usually the process is that the writer will um, do the revisions with you in person, and you type along and and, and put them in and, and make sure oh, really? it looks good. And yeah, so it's a very uh, it's a very one to one or you know a, a very hands on sort of job with with a writer um, for. And usually it's the showrunner at that point um, who who you're dealing with. Um, the showrunner is the one who is making the revision changes and all that good stuff. So so you get to work pretty closely with a, with the showrunner. Um it's not a creative position per se. Mm. Um, you know it it, it, it's, it is a production job, uh, a, a more of a, a technical job. Um, you know, but if you get lucky and you work hard enough and you're a squeaky enough wheel, um, you know sometimes you will be rewarded and you will be allowed to you know pitch and, and you know, best case scenario, maybe even get a freelance script, which is uh, what happened with me on NYPD blue i I didn't make it I didn't make any bones. About um uh I, or I wasn't shy I should say about wanting to be a writer I yeah. they knew it I wore it on my sleeve I was constantly you know uh writing on my own to sh- so that they knew that like oh okay he's not just sitting here you know uh, playing video games or something when we're not in the <laughs> office um, yeah you know so um so I was very I was very I would say I was loud about it but I, I definitely made it known I was like I want to do this as, you know I want to be a TV writer. Um, and another great thing about the script coordinator position is that it's not, you know, it, it, even though you're working, say, like on NYPD Blue, I'd be at the office, but like at 930 in the morning, 10 o'clock in the morning until about six, seven o'clock at night, you know, that eight hour, nine, uh, eight, nine hour workday, you're not working the entire time. I mean, you know, honestly, the re- really the only time you're actually doing your job is maybe an hour or two or three a day uh, intense, intensely, um, you know, other than little, little things that pop up here and there. So it gave me, and it gives the script coordinator, I, you know, I won't speak for anybody these days because I haven't done it in 20 years, but, um, well, 20, uh, 15-ish, let's put it that way. Uh, But I, I took advantage of, you know, I took advantage of all that downtime and was writing all the time. I was writing feature screenplays and I was writing hour-long specs and I was trying my hand at you know, writing a Simpsons spec or a King of the Hill spec. So, um, you know, I, I always just viewed, you know, that job, that job was a great day job that also allows for somebody who wants to be a writer and has the work ethic to go after it hard to, to do that. You know, they gave me a lot of free time Hmm. to write, write script after script after script. And I wrote a lot of shitty ones, (laughs) but occasionally i wrote a decent one or two. Yeah, So, um, so yeah, so and then you know it went from there, and I was able to finally graduate from doing that job and 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 be able to write as uh, you know get paid as a writer almost full time for the last few years. Awesome. But uh, yeah, you know for the most part it's worked out. Well,
1: I, I mean I'm halfway through uh, David Bilch's biography, A Life's, Life's oh, yeah. Work, and obviously he was one of the creators of NYPD Blue, and yeah. obviously they also created Deadwood, amongst other things. What 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 were some of the lessons about writing you might have learned from working alongside somebody like him
2: You know I there 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 are a few that I have taken with me you know and I and I I was really fortunate because I I got my first so I got my first uh, production job as a PA on a Stephen Bochco show called Murder One in 1995 Okay and David was um the, the our offices the, the Bochco building was on the 20th century Fox lot and in the building where it was our show, Murder One and NYPD Blue and NYPD Blue at that time was at like the height of its superpowers. I mean, you know, it's coming off of, you know, um, best drama Emmy win, you know, mm. and David is winning, uh, you know, Emmys for writing. And and, you know, Dennis, uh, yeah, Dennis Franz is winning for best actor, you know, best actor Emmy. Um, so, you know, it was a hot, hot show. And it was a great place to be because like, it just, you know, for lack of a better word or lack of a better word or phrase, it felt very Hollywood, you know, especially mm. for me being like a 22 year old kid who's just got up the, got out of my car from Ohio, you know? And I was like, wow, okay. I'm right in it. <laughs> and so watching David work was, was really awesome because um, he, he, he's, he, he, he he's sort of this mad genius, you know, you, he, he, we had this atrium at the botchko building and when david was rewriting or writing scenes he did it all on like yellow legal pad right and he you'd see him like he would just kind of sometimes perch himself like in the middle of the floor he'd lay down in the middle of the floor and he'd be writing and no everybody knew don't go near him don't <laughs> talk to him he's in he's in his zone and i'm talking like in the middle of a a, a building where there's casting going on and there's people bringing in lunch or you're going to get lunch for people. And, but David, when he was in his zone, like he, he didn't hear the outside noise. He didn't see the outside noise. He would just, if he was locked in on a script or locked in on writing, like he would just, wherever he was at, that's where he was at. And that's where it was going to happen. So it was really wild to see him do see that process with him. Um, but one of the major things I took away from him as a showrunner was, um, he would rewrite his writers extensively. I mean, that's it's it's not a that's like not an unknown thing, and and it's a pretty common thing with with a lot of shows. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, especially if it's a freelancer, somebody who's not part of the staff. You know, a freelancer doesn't necessarily have the uh, the, the the grip on the show uh, and, the, and the voices and the characters and the tone and all that good stuff. So, you know, a rewriting a freelancer is a pretty common thing. And and you know, when David had to do that. One of the things I thought was most admirable about David was he never took a writer's name off the script. So, what that means is, and I saw it firsthand, he would rewrite somebody from page one. Like he would rewrite the entire script. And sometimes, by the way, that wasn't even the writer's, it wasn't even that the writer did anything wrong. It would be that David would now look at the story and go, oh, no, 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 we beat this out wrong. I know how this should go. Sipowitz should be doing this in this story and in this scene and simone should be doing this and russell should be do- so it wasn't even that like the writer failed it was just that david went oh wait a minute this is my baby and i see i see better how to make this happen right so he would do a rewrite a page one rewrite and it was all him coming up with everything new and fresh and and all that but he didn't take the writer's name off the script so there are instances of of writers on on Deadwood and, and and NYPD Blue and Brooklyn South. where those writers? Shush, shush. So hold on one second. My dog is very barky. There <laughs> were there are, there, are uh, there were you know there are instances of, of these writers who who have been nominated for Emmys, who have been nominated for other sorts of awards, Humana, Humanitas awards, and things of that nature, and, and they've won. And they got that reward, and it's boosted their career. But David was the one who re- rewrote that script. David was the genius behind the script that this person's name stayed on. Wow! And and it's an incredible thing because it's such an egoless thing, you know. And, and yeah, it, yeah. And I always and I always thought, you know, and I and I apply this to to my to my own work as a showrunner. If I have to rewrite someone, I don't take their name off of it because you know. Th- it's not about me. It's about the show. It's about them. And, you know, and if they, if if a writer, if I have to rewrite a writer, you know, besides the paycheck, that credit is still so important to, to, to that person's career and to to the trajectory of their career. So it makes, it it seems like such a selfish move for a writer, a a showrunner to, if you have to rewrite somebody to take their name off of the script or add your name to it. I just always It's just not a cool move, and but I always loved the fact. I just loved that David. That that I I learned that from David. You know, the day that it was, it was like you know what. The the, the writer's name stays on the script, even though I'm the one who is going to make sure the show uh, it hums and sings like it always does. I'm not going to to punish the writer because I can see better what the path forward is than they did Mm -hmm. doing a freelance script or writing a script. So I just always admired that about him. Um, and he was just, you know, he's just a, he was, he, he's just a really nice guy. I, 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 I have nothing but kind words to say about him. I mean, and I know there are a lot of crazy stories about David and, and, you know, the, 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 the struggles he had with addiction and things of that nature. Hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I know he's got some health issues now, but I just always, I would, I've just been a, a huge fan of his. I never, he was, there was never an unkind word said to me from him. Um, he was always very pleasant with me. Um and I just always um and he didn't have to be you know uh, hmm. but so I always just have i just have really fond memories i mean i don't know if he would know who I was if I passed him on the street these days but <laughs> but at the same time, you know like i my what he he, his gift to me is are those things, and you know whether he knows that or not. I I am very appreciative of, of like no, that's, my, a, that's amazing. Limited it, time in his circle, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, it reminds. I remember hearing an interview with Sydney Sydney Lumet, and he said that somebody said to Sydney, "Why do you, why do you get such good writers to work with you?" And he, t- he said, "Because I never take the credit off them. I said we work that's together right. on the script, and I'm going to direct the yeah. film, but the writing yeah. credit will always be the writer that I've worked with."
2: Yeah. And so. It's it's just the way, the way it should, the way it should be, and I'm glad to hear that 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 I like that story too. That's great.
1: Um, you were the you were the sh- the creator of Skylanders Academy. Now, mm-hmm. there's there's one now there's there's obviously a difference between a writer and a creator on a show, but, yeah. but also that was a show created out of an existing IP. So, yeah. just 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 for, for, as, at the conception of it, how much freedom were you given as a creator of that show versus how much was was this must be, or this must be that. This must be the other. In terms of what already existed out of the games,
2: it was, um, you know, I mean, the, the the freedom came in the fact that, you know, Activision when I when I met with them about the, the the project and the and the IP, you know, they said to me, "This is what we want the show to be. We wanted it to be about these kids who are basically, it's basically, you know, the the, the X Men." Uh, the new mutants who are at the at professor X's Academy for hmm. gifted students, right. Or what, whatever it's called. So they said to me, we want our version of that. We want, you know, uh, master Eon is professor X and he's training these super powered um, animals that can speak in this universe to be like this ultimate team. Right. So, you know, they gave me those guardrails and I, and then, and so my job was to walk away from that and go, okay, who, you know, that's an that's great you know we know that story that that's a tried and true trope the way the only way way this is going to be great or the way i'm going to get this job and the way this show is going to work is if the characters are awesome so it was my job to go take take those characters that they said you know here are the characters we want you to use and it was my job to go okay i'm going to make spyro interesting in this way i'm going to make stealth elf interesting in this way i'm going to make Eruptor uh, interesting in this way and, and so I you know my job was to, to, to in order to get the job was to to really give those characters um, a, a, a unique and interesting voice that would make a viewer want to come back and watch their adventures and their interactions and their highs and lows and all that and root for them week to week or episode to episode, I should say. So you know luckily I was able to to, to pull that off um and it's always been that's always been my approach with any project that i've been a creator on i i actually i did it another series after skylanders academy for hasbro which hasn't been announced and we did we did 52 episodes it's sit, it's produced and ready to wow. run right now and we don't yeah i don't know what their plan is with it we finished it in january 2020 and it's based on a very popular uh, ip from the 70s that um, used to be a comic book <laughs> um And we, um, you know, again, you know, Hasbro said, here's what we, here's what this IP is. Here are the characters. How would you make this work? And, and, you know, it's just me, for me, it's always been character first, you know, if we we don't like the characters, we're not rooting for the characters. The the rest of the story doesn't matter. You know, it's uh, a, you can give me the, the coolest angle into a story or the coolest hook. And if the characters suck or if they're not interesting, like who cares? It's, it's off the air and, or, you know, people forget about it. So, so from my approach has always been how, how do I, even with like these little talking animals and, and, you know, cartoon characters, it's like, you know, and even for kids, you know, a lot of what I, the most of my bread and butter is six to 11 animation. And, you know, kids, kids are really smart these days. They, 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 you, you can't write down to them. You have to give them aspirational content, and, um, you know, I always try to, even though it is, it is content for, you know, an eight year old, nine year old, I still want them to, um, I still want them to, I still want my jokes to be a little more e- elevated. Mm. I want my, I want their interactions, the the characters interactions to feel real. Um, you know, I want the, I want the stakes to feel real. Um, you know, I, 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 I you know, I'm, I, am i have done stuff in the, um, the preschool space and, and that, doesn't really excite me that much because because school is very much like lessons learned and and the characters can't have flaws and you know everybody's happy at the end so uh, uh, you know that that's not so much what excites me but in the 6 and 11 space it's really evolved over the last um, few years that we can you know do more content like that where the characters have uh, you know they're more thoughtful and they're more flawed and yeah, and yeah, yeah. They can they can screw up and and um, it's a good thing for a kid to see. That's like, oh, you can make a mistake, but you, you can you can recover from that, and, and life goes on, and, and all that good stuff. So, um, yeah, and, and and you know, I can't say what I'm working on right now, but next month, the uh, this show I'm working on for Amazon, which is a six to eleven animated series, will be announced, and um, uh, that's based on a, a pretty cool IP as well. So that's that's my current day job yeah. as a creator and showrunner. Well,
1: well, one well one last question about about the about the job roles then. Um, before yeah, we get yeah. into the three films, is, yep. is how would you describe the difference between a show creator and a, and a, somebody who's writing on a show, having been in um, both camps now?
2: Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I've, had, I've played, I've been, for the three shows I've been the creator on, I have been the head writer at the same time. Okay. So there are few instances of someone who creates a show and then hands the keys to the car off, um, you know, most of my experience has been that if you're the creator, unless you don't have the experience <laughs> as a writer or you just aren't interested in that part of the process, it's it's very rare that the creator world will, will go, "Oh, okay, now somebody else can, you know, write the show." You know, I, my, so, um, so for me, my, 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 my experience sp- specifically is, I, I have been creator and head writer on each of these last three projects that um, that I've uh, been employed on to do that, so. Um, you know, so you create the show and then, and then you're in it as a writer, you know, you're, you're, uh, you know, coming up with all the the storyboards or, uh, sorry, springboards for episodes. And, and then you're, you're hiring freelancers to, uh, help you beat out the story and, and write the scripts. And, and then, you know, once the script's handed off to you, then you take it and you make it, you make, uh, you know, usually the creator head writer is the one that writes the pilot as well. So you're, Everything is trying to. All the freelance scripts are. You know, you have to make them sing like the pilot does, and 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 you know, it, it's your vision at the end of the day. So you know, it's your responsibility to make sure every freelance script comes in has the same, you know, feel, tone, comedy, you know, everything that the, everything that 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 the, the the people that are signing your paychecks want to see. You have to make sure every, every one of those scripts has that at the end of the, uh, when, when it's handed off to production. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's really like, yeah, as a creator, I, I, I've been, I've done both, I do both jobs. So yeah. um, I've never really created anything before and gone. Somebody else do it now or somebody else write this.
1: <laughs> so, so in a way your, con- your, your, your role, the way you've, the way you've, you've, be- you've made the role as, as you do it is you're forever macro micro in terms of your, the overall vision for the show. And then what this episode needs
2: oh yeah yeah and and it can be a little intense uh i bet uh depending on you know your production schedule and all that animation i i was one of the things i love about animation though as opposed to live action like live live action you have this added pressure uh of of you know having to shoot every day and having those scripts you know be ready to you know, you get your eight, ten day, you know, it's like live action dramas. You got eight to ten days for every episode to, to shoot that script. So the, the 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 script cycle of get you know, breaking story, you know, outline script, delivering script, like that's such a, a tight window and it cannot be deviated from um because like you know, because then production can't shoot. And when production gets pushed out, then that's you know, crazy amounts of money being um wasted and and spent. So um, you know, with animation, there's a, there's a lot more, you know, even though we have a good, you know, a pretty, not pretty, we have a tight production schedule with animation. It's more, uh, you know, okay. It's not as intense because you're not, you know, when you're writing the script and, and you're done with it, you're not immediately handing it off to some production person to go get it down to the set and make sure, you know, uh, the, the, the actors on the set have their lines to, to, to read and, and shoot. So, you know, it's a little bit, there's a lot less pressure yeah, yeah, yeah. with animation. Um, and, and I really enjoy that, that part of the part of the job.
1: Brilliant. Well, well, thanks for sharing that about, about the various roles within, within TV writing. We're now going to move into three films that have impacted everything in your adult adult life. And like you said, that's, that's a big, everything's big, but, but the, but the interesting thing about this show so far, and I've only been doing it since December, this format is that, um, is that everybody interprets it in a different way at, at one extreme. Uh, a recent show that went live was with the film critic Walter Chow and 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 he and he interpreted it as three he 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 talked he talked about surviving a suicide bid and the three films he watched repeatedly after that period in his life whereas I interviewed the actor Sarah Sarah Lindish and she talked about watching Wizard of Oz with her grandparents and how that was a VHS that you know when she went to their house that was the film and so for her, it was you know intrinsically linked with her relationship with her grandparents. So, it I love the way that people can interpret it, and, and I didn't expect this at all because I my only advice was you know you know think about those films that you might have seen before you were eighteen that you just kind of made you wake up and smell the coffee or suddenly see the world differently. But I mean, that's not to say dogmatically that's what it should be because we all have those different different yeah different um, what do you call it markers in our life that film can be later as well. I've got the three films for you. I'll just quickly recap for people that may not have listened to this before. Uh, we're gonna. I'm going to go through the three films that Eric has given me. And every time the alarm goes off, that's the time to end talking about that film and we move on to the next film. Okay. That makes sense to you, Eric?
2: Yeah, that's awesome. Awesome.
1: Brilliant. Yeah. Well, I'm going to do them in the order that you supplied them me. So I'm All just right. going to get my clock up. Five minutes starting now. What is the impact on your life of Pulp Fiction?
2: Yeah, so... Pulp Fiction. You know, I, it was interesting. You were you were just mentioning you know talking about other people's choices. Uh, you know, for these films, and you know, the, you know, you used an example of of someone watching, say, like The Wizard of Oz with their grandmother. And you know, I I, I we grew I grew up in a house where you know my I had um, I I my relationship with my father was was not great. Uh, he was an alcoholic.
0: New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
2: And, and, you know, we were never close. He was never the guy that, you know, throw would go outside and throw ball with me or watch me play baseball or, you know, was interested in anything that I was was into but the one thing that he loved and, 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 and that imprinted on me as a kid was movies. Like we always have movies in our house. We, we, you know, we were the VHS VCR, um, age and, you know, we were one of the first families to have a a VCR at our house. So we're always watching movies and I I love, love movies. I love very mature movies from an early age because I watched them with my dad, who was probably showing us stuff that I shouldn't be seeing, um, at certain ages, but nevertheless, um, but the reason Pulp Fiction is 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 so important to me, and and is one of the you know the the, the movies that uh, has defined my adult life is you know once I discovered Tarantino and the way Tarantino writes, um and, and Pulp Fiction, you know, and I don't think anybody will argue this. This Pulp Pulp Fiction was absolutely his you know coming out party. You know, like Reservoir Dogs is a great is a great indie film, and hmm. and you know it's got some it's got some flaws, it's got some warts. But but as far as you know, that that was really more of him as a, a you know I'm a director, right? I, I and 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 you know it, the story was it was fine. A lot of a lot of things he took from other things to make that story and and so, and but it was really a directorial debut for him mm-hmm. as more than a, like a like hey, oh my god, this guy's an amazing writer. Pulp Fiction to me was the, the 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 crowning achievement of here I here's who I am as as a phenomenal director and here's who I am as a phenomenal writer. And, and, and the reason I say that about his right, him and being, uh, you know, his, his, his stature as a writer is he, he takes a story that uh, is, as we all know, it's three different timelines that all work together. It's the, all the characters uh, in this story inter, inter intersect. And, and, and uh, it, you don't know where any of them are going in, in each of these stories. And what I love about that Pulp Fiction specifically, and 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 the way he pulled that off was, it meant that once you know the rules, you can throw the rules out the window and make it your own thing. And mm. and 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 for for me as a writer, that's such a uh, such a freeing feeling. I, I you know I don't know if I've ever pulled it off. Um, I don't know if I've ever written anything that comes that even sniffs what Tarantino is able to do on a bad day, but. What what was just so mind blowing and 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 guiding about uh, Pulp Fiction was just being able to go, oh, this is what a movie can be. This is what a story can be. I don't have to just write from A to Z with 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 the story that's in my head. I you know we can play with timeline. We can play with killing a character, a main character. That one of our main characters in the middle of the film. You know, and then bringing them back and and then them still being pivotal to how the movie ends, you know, it's just just so Pulp Fiction was it was just like this, this, this really freeing moment as a writer, uh, you know, where you just just it was, it was incredible to, to, to experience that and, and, and to just, and it was just probably of all the films I've ever seen in my life, it was it was the one that that excited me the most I, I remember. You know, leaving the theater in 1994, fall of 1994, seeing it for the first time, and just the that the feeling you have is that you just wanted to go and run a marathon or something after that, or you know, just like do something that just to burn the adrenaline out of your body because just the way that movie made you feel, and it's like it's such a, a high unto itself uh, that, that you don't need drugs for. No, a, no. I mean, you're uh, right. Yeah,
1: no, I, 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 remember yeah, that failing I, well. I couldn't
2: even imagine what it would be like to take drugs and watch, <laughs> watch that movie. Um, especially for the first time. Well, I mean, <laughs> that would be such a mind blowing experience. So, um, but yeah, it's, you know, I was a, I was a, a senior in college and, um, you know, had my eye towards Hollywood when I saw Pulp Fiction and I, I feel like seeing Pulp Fiction at that time was really the thing that pushed me over to the edge and said, okay, you're going to go be a screenwriter now. You're going to go after that. You, there's there's no turning back now. Tarantino has totally ruined you. <laughs> he's he's driven you to pursue this terrible industry. So, you know, for that reason, uh, and all the other ones I just said, you know, I really, oh, look at that. Timing is perfect. Brilliant. No, you reminded <laughs>
1: me this. If, if, if you've, the, the DVD, I've got a Reservoir Dogs. He talks about, Criticism of him for non-linear storytelling, and Tarantino says it's not non-linear storytelling. It's the order I choose to tell the story in.
0: Yes, yeah,
1: which is a really good way of describing it. It's like it's it's non-linear because of time, but actually, this is how the story right. should be told.
2: Dude, that's right. That's it. That's it. I love that.
1: Well, look, sir, moving swiftly along, but but going back a few, de- going back a couple, of oh, fifteen. Oh, I'm to, sixteen. Seventeen years to okay. 19, oh, 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 hold on. Is it seventy six or seventy seven, Jaws? Um seventy-five. Seventy-five, even yeah. No, it's so it's
2: yeah, it twenty yeah.
1: twenty years. So we've got Jaws. Jaws being that this was the first film I ever saw on VHS. So for you, where where does where does uh, Jaws fit in, in your in your film watching life? What did it what did you get from what is essentially a perfect film?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean Jaws is is one of those it was probably it's a film for me that I think it was that I saw it you know as a kid, you know, probably again, like I mentioned a moment ago, probably too early on. I probably shouldn't have seen it at the age I saw it at. but that to me was the film where just adventure it was the perfect marriage of adventure and and horror and and thrills and and light comedy and character. Um, you know, as far as, you know, the greatest films ever made, you know, not just in Hollywood, but generally just the greatest films ever made. I mean, I feel like Jaws has an argument to be considered one of the best films ever made um, for, 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 and not because one thing sticks out greater than the other, not because watching, you know, Roy Scheider and, Uh, and um uh Roy uh or um she's the actor's names are escaping me Roy Scheider Roy Scheider and um Robert Shaw and uh Richard Dreyfus Hooper (laughs) I I, I can totally forgetting I know the character's name but uh uh, Richard Dreyfus yes thank you um so you know it's not that just because of these characters or or because of the type of story it was or because it was uh oh shush (sighs) sorry. (laughs) My wife just got, um, no, but, but, you know, it's not that one thing about not that one thing about Jaws stood out from the, from anything else. It's that it was all these perfect things coming together and, and, and being such a, such a surprising film at every turn. And, and a, a movie that was, you know, showed how gifted spielberg was uh, you know as as a director and being able to use the things he didn't have to 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 create fear and create thrills and create tension you know i i think it's just just as far as filmmaking goes um you know I, i would i would always i would tell any filmmaker you know yeah you you know watch watch indie films for how to you know um you know, make a movie on a, a a budget or a shoestring, but if you really want to see how to get the most bang out of your buck, you know, watch how Spielberg makes this movie about a shark who you don't see for the, most of the film. You don't see you don't see the bad guy for you know sixty percent of the film, maybe you know, maybe a little more. Um, and so it just like that film for me is always just it, it just reminds me of you know, my youth and my reminds me of, you know, that first exposure um, to movies and falling in love with movies for the first time. Uh, And, and, you know, just, you know, being at home um, in the summertime off school and, you know, having all these VHS tapes that that we had in our house. and, And, you know, you just watch these movies over and over. And Jaws is just one of those that, you know, even to this day, I, if I catch it on television, I'm watching it. You know, mm. I can't, I'll stop whatever I'm doing and I'll watch it. Um, and I can, re- I can recite the film. Like it's like, you know, like your favorite song, you know, you know, like something like that. Like I could sit there and run lines with the characters, with the TV. Um, because that's how many times I've seen it. But, you know, I really do think that, that the reason it, it, it it's it, beyond how much I love the film is the re- reason. One of the reasons it's just so important to me in my as an adult, but also as an adult is because of it's, it's linked to my youth and that, that initial um, discovery of movies and falling in love with movies and falling in love with the way movies make you feel um, and always, you know, chasing after that as a moviegoer and as a, as a creator, as somebody who wants to, to, you know, who who writes films and writes these TV shows and all that. So um, that's yeah that's would say that's why that one is is so vital to me as well
1: i mean i i, I remember me, uh, being a kid myself uh, it was it was the first time when you when you not understanding why joe or how, how jaws is so brilliant but then watching yeah. the sort of um diminishing returns of the sequels that followed it and not oh. under, and not understanding why they could why would you make them so bad when that is as a kid you 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 couldn't quite understand what was going on
2: yeah it, it's 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 funny how the studios didn't understand that the reason this thing worked was because of the discovery for the first time. You, you know, like the not seeing the monster, not not knowing what the monster was until you know Spielberg was waiting to the last possible second to show you what the thing was. That, if you're making Jaws too, we already know it's about a, a great white shark, and we know what it's about. So how are you going to come near what we did in the first film? You know what I mean? Like it's it, it was the it was that. Initial thrill and 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 just discovery, you know. But but also in a um, way,
1: also I mean, it's a great example of where uh, I mean, the shark is a monster, but the, yeah. the, the 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 antagonist in the film is Murray Hamilton, the mayor. He's the, he wants. Yes, he's going to get people killed. That's the bad yes. guy. That's who. Brody's up against and it's a real and and it's I I do I teach one day a week story and and, um, concept development and and in that we I I, it's a great example to show people because obviously people who've not thought about it will immediately go the shark's the antagonist and and Brody's the 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 protagonist and you go no think about it the shark is a monster but really Brody's up against the mayor
2: and the shark is in its environment. You hmm. know what I mean? Like, you, like the shark is wh- the shark is where it lives. Yeah, you know, there, there. What Brody did is is the what Brody wants to do is the absolute right thing. Get people out of the water. Give it, take away its food supply. It'll go away, or we'll kill it. Whatever that, whatever it takes. The mayor, though, because money. rules everything for that guy you know he is the reason and then then and that's why you can't get that story again in the sequels you know because because you go down that road again then it's just like well why are we why are we doing the same story you know what i mean you can't do that story again so it's just like capturing that lightning in a bottle in such a perfect way with with everything in the first film It just uh yeah uh, it's just uh what a just how lucky are we that that thing exists? <laughs> indeed, indeed.
1: And and to be honest with you, I think I think where Spielberg's career went afterwards. I mean, he he didn't want to carry on, did he? I mean, if he could have been involved, I suppose that could have it, but he didn't want to do franchises. Wasn't a thing back then, and all that kind of That's stuff. That's
0: right. Well, That's, look,
2: well, he create he created the franchise vision, you know, yeah. and, and luckily he said, "Ah, I'm going to keep making <laughs> new amazing things." So yeah.
1: Well, look. Moving moving on to your final choice of the three films that impacted yep. everything adult life, we've split between two choices here. Uh, yeah. so, so, I'll give you. I mean, you're not the first, so don't feel don't feel bad to uh, okay. to do that. I've had, I mean, I've had somebody give me a video game so uh, as the third choice. So, <laughs> okay. having two films is not a bad thing. So, for your final choice, we've got Sideways or Fargo. Do you want to do you want to explain the impact and what what split the difference is before you're there.
2: Yeah, I so I, the reason those movies and then I toggled back and forth with quite a few. You know, Die Hard was was in my head for a minute. A Christmas Story, strangely, was in my head for a minute. You know, uh, because of uh, and that that movie, Christmas Story, feels like it just gives it feels like home to me. It makes me you know the holidays are like oh we're always my favorite time of the year and just something about a Christmas Story um, just it just gives me that. <laughs> that piece and, 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 you know, uh, nostalgia that we're always, you know, uh, wanting to, to, to hang on to and, and, you know, just makes us feel happy. But, um, but yeah, with sideways and, and Fargo, you know, uh, th- those are t- two of the most important films to me in my, in my life because uh, I, again, this is kind of, this is, this is, this is intrinsic with my, me being a writer, me, Pursuing a career in, yeah. in in hollywood and and you know all that good stuff. You know what I love about both of those films is the the the, the way that it's we talked about this a little bit earlier, you know, character is everything, you know, and um, th- those movies uh, are so beautifully written, and the characters are so wonderfully crafted and um and and I've always been I feel like I've always been chasing that as a writer to be able to write. You know, a, a character like Paul Giamatti's character in Sideways, and, or you know, and 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 the Coen brothers—the way they craft their characters—and they're everyone's so beautifully flawed, um, and it's just for some reason, you know, I, I what I love about those movies is just there's, there's the subtlety, the storytelling, the the the, 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 the kind of the way. Dark humor infuses both movies as well. Mm. um you know, you watch either of those films and you'll catch yourself laughing at things that you that you, you know is just twisted and you should not be laughing at at all um but 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 they're so real in that way, you know um you know, for instance, uh, when we see uh, when we see the uh, uh, Peter Stormare's character, you know, trying to you know put the the uh, his partner's leg in the wood chipper at the end of Fargo, and he's just <laughs> and, you know, and Prince McDormand's character has just come up, and she's watching him, and that move, that scene's so brilliant in the sense that he can't, he's so he's so focused on trying to push that dude's leg into the chipper, and there's blood shooting out of it, and she's over here with her gun out. And he can't. He doesn't even notice her because he's so focused on the job, and he's so annoyed. And she has. She's and the wood chipper is like super loud, and she's having to yell over it and point to her point to her uh, sheriff's badge or her badge, and I mean, point her gun. And it's just like what a comically weird, wild, but also super real moment. You know, there that you can absolutely buy that that's how that situation would go down, and then that sad little chase that takes place afterwards, where storm air tries to run away in the snow and those easily caught it's just like there's a there's such a realness uh, uh, uh such a lived in real quality about the way the, the cohen brothers and alexander Payne, especially back then i i, I cohen brothers a little little bit more i think i've gotten a little bit away from that over recent years there's a little bit more uh, high concept sort of things and 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 things they're trying which is great you know you should do that as an artist but but back you know in the those those mid late 90s early 2000s Cohen brothers and Alexander Payne movies like just just they those, those characters just feel so real they feel like they feel like people that you know the, the the way they react to things are so human and it's just such a it's just such a, 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 a it's so aspirational for me as a writer um uh, and, and as, a, as somebody who, who you know is fr- gonna write these things until um, you know the day I die, you know I'm yeah. always going to be trying to um, you know uh, try to live up to to those types of stories and those types of characters and and um, I think that's why those those two films stuck out to me and they, they mean so much because it just because of, of, of uh, how 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 much they mean to me as far as you know trying to be, that type of storyteller and that type of writer and to, to, you know, um, yeah, th- those are the reasons. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, I, well, I think, I think with, <laughs> with, with, um, with Fargo, you get, you get the absurdity of brilliant characters that seem unreal, but they never, you never lose sight of the stakes. You, you feel like you're in a drama yeah. still, even though yeah. what's been set up and what's playing out is nigh on ridiculous. Yeah. T- certainly yeah. in Fargo, you know, it's proper, yes. it's farcical levels of farce. You know? yeah and yet, yeah, yeah. and yet it still can feel like a pin to play where you're where you're kind of where you're reading the subtext of characters and wondering what they're up to I mean there's that whole scene with with Francie McDormand when she's with her old school friend which which yes. should, I mean, you can imagine Great. now if if you if you put a spec script in like that and a script reader got hold of it they'd go what have you got that scene for <laughs>
2: right that's right so, so good so good Oh, look at that. Timing is perfect again.
1: <laughs> we are up with the five minutes. Well, look, um, that's your three your three three and a bit films. Um I thank you very much for sharing And I thank you very much for um for sharing your insight into into TV writing as well. I was very grateful for that. Um do you think I mean you you say that 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 um I mean and you gave me some you gave me some words before we before we spoke, and it's it's this idea of it inspiring you as a writer. You know the idea of watching stuff that makes you. Because a conversation I've had with my students is, it's like you can, you don't want to try and be like Tarantino, but under because because that's a measure you can never achieve. It's like that's right. But you know that if you write every day, you'll be a better yeah. writer than you were yesterday and the day after that's that right. and stuff. And obviously, that's the journey that Tarantino went on to be that good. He didn't. That, he didn't that's arrive. A, that's absolutely.
2: Yeah, that's absolutely it, and, and and that's how you discover your own voice. I mean, you you, you can and, and by the way, it's okay. I'm sure I did this in my youth. It's okay to try to write a Tarantino esque script. Absolutely. But the reason you're not going to be Tarantino is because there's only one Tarantino. You know, you got you have to be you don't have to be you. You have to be me, oh. or I have to be me. You know, like we have to figure out what our what our voice is. Because then that's how, once you develop your voice and, and your style and, and all that good stuff, then that's when you're somebody suddenly who people want to hire to write their stuff and want to, but you know they want to buy your scripts because it's like, oh, wait, okay, I, I, th- this is a cool story, but the way this person's telling me this story is, is something I haven't experienced before or something I think audiences are going to respond to. So, you know, yeah, that ri- writing every day, I mean, you know it's it's funny i especially when i was younger and this is this does apply to your students but when you're young you should absolutely gun it all the time and be writing and and be figuring out you know who you are as a writer and what your voice is as an older person i i now i take I take breaks when i can especially when the writing is your day job i just like i look for reasons not to write but um you know luckily Luckily, I feel like I've, I've found my way. I've found my voice, you know. Um, so um, I try to save my bullets for when, um, you know, either there's a deadline or there's just something, a, a new story has just taken such a grip on me that I'm just like, ah, I can't not write this. And that's usually how I write screenplays these days. I I, I I won't. Uh, I usually won't start a new screenplay unless, uh, unless somebody... Or unless the idea is just really just trying to break out of my brain and, and, and I have to give in to that. So, so you, still, you
1: with all the work you might be doing for TV shows and stuff, you still have the other stuff worming around that will that'll be trying to fight to sure. get out of you.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've written uh, over the last couple of years, I've written a couple of horror, horror screenplays that I have a producer who's uh, shopping and, and I have a director's attached to. And, you know, I, I, I have to write that stuff to kind of counter doing the kids stuff because, mm. you know, uh, you know, germane to this conversation, you know, I love movies so much. And, you know, the reason I came to this, that came into this industry is because I wanted to be a film writer. So, you know, I'm always still pursuing that and I'm doing that on the side. And, um, you know, I, I haven't had the, the luck I've had in TV yet, but, but, you know, I, 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 it all informs each other and every screenplay I write, I feel like it is getting better because of all the work I'm doing in television and and all the things I've learned from television that I can apply to storytelling uh, as a screenwriter. So, um, yeah, it just, uh, uh, I just still, you know, like I said, a couple of minutes ago, I'll I'll write until I die (laughs) for sure. Well,
1: look on that thought, it just gives me to say, thank you very much for joining us on the Britflix podcast.
2: Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. This was super fun, man.